What is going on, everybody? It's me, Nicholas Willard. Um, this is this is a late one, a late, a late episode. I didn't even know if I'd get one out. I I hate when everyone's always like, "Oh, I'm so busy. I couldn't, I couldn't do an episode. I couldn't, you know, blah 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 blah." Well, you know, I was also pretty damn busy, but I really wanted to make time to uh. To, to get some something out this week so so here it is um my my original plan was to i had my family on uh last week I, I think i did two episodes last week one of them was with mike family and and he was we were supposed to go uh, i was supposed to bring him to the spot where i had my my quote unquote bigfoot sighting i don't know Probably wasn't a Bigfoot. It was probably just a hunter, another hunter. But I was supposed to bring him up there. We were gonna. I was gonna, you know, record that whole adventure and then produce that as, as uh this week's episode. But that ended up falling through, and then I ended up, uh, moving the majority of my apartment into my new house this past weekend, and that took up a lot of time. So I wasn't able to, to do the proper research into into a, a a a new topic um i hadn't had anything planned so um after mike fell through on me thanks a lot man um i figured i'd do something something a little easy and 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 over the course of you know of searching the web for some scary stories i actually came across one that was uh very interesting and one that i actually think is is a great story. It's a story that I've never heard on any other podcast. Um, and it was actually quite difficult to, to research. There's really only one like indie movie made by like a couple people out in, you know, where this, where this story happens. And they were able to get a hold of this recording that this, this pastor made in the, I want to say it was in the fifties from something that happened to him earlier in the thirties. So, so I got that story. I got a couple others that I want to just read real quick. Uh, and then we'll get into the main story. So bear with me as we get started. A couple quick things I wanted to say. Uh, I hope you all been following. Or I guess there's nothing much to follow. There's not, not, not a whole lot has come out uh, about the uh, congressional hearings on the whistleblower. That guy, you know, uh, what was his name? David uh, Grush. Um, that was, that was interesting, I guess. Who, who knows what's going on there? Um, I I had also watched, uh, Cocaine Bear. <laughs> that was, that was a hilarious movie. Uh, I rec, I definitely recommend it to anyone who, who, you know, there was the whole thing about the cocaine bear, you know, uh, for a couple weeks there. But, um, I think mostly just because of the title, obviously, but, uh. But yeah, I mean, it is sort of somewhat based on true events. That you know, in the very beginning, there's a guy flying a plane and he's hooking these bags of cocaine out, right? Uh, he's smuggling them, and then he, he he like knocks himself out and and falls to to the ground dead. And then a bear ends up eating one of the bags of cocaine, uh, and it goes 
it goes nuts and just starts killing a bunch of people. Well, the truth behind that is this guy hucked out these bags of cocaine and a bear ate the cocaine, but then the bear just ended up dying. Like, you know, a hunter found the bear dead not far from the bag of cocaine. Uh, let's see what else I got. So I got some new reviews that showed up. Uh, Moondog Goat, Joel Springer, and Paul Ullman. I want to thank you guys for reviewing the show. I know I say this every time. It's so stupid, but it, it's crazy how much these reviews count. Um, you know, I'm not I'm not one of those these big shows was able to to piggyback off of another big show. You know, I don't want to name any names, but there are several out there who who definitely had a leg up. Um, so I I really 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 appreciate every single review I get. I mean it. I, I can't explain how much I, I appreciate these reviews. So thank you so much. Uh, if you want to get a hold of me, if you can get a hold of me, give me your, your mailing address. I will send you a free sticker. So if you don't want one, then don't bother. But if you do want one, get a hold of me. You, know, you can send me an email. Uh, you can send me a Facebook message. Um, our email is almostcanonpod at gmail.com. We have the Almost Canon podcast facebook page uh and we're on instagram at almost canon pod you can send a message there i don't i don't i'm not i don't usually check my instagram that that often so but if you if you send me a message on instagram I, i'll see it eventually but yeah if we get more ratings and reviews you know obviously we can get more listeners some advertisement i know advertisement sucks but the cool thing about advertisement is it pays for better mics, better equipment. And one thing I'm really excited to do is to go to locations and record live at these locations. I mean, it, it's really not that complicated. Um, it just costs money. So it's the only thing holding us back. It'd be cool to go to some cool locations around at least my area for now. You know, we have the, the Washington Hotel, which is haunted. We have... Um, the the Manchester Vermont Resort, which is haunted. Uh, one of my first interviews with with anyone. It might even be my first interview um, I ever did for the show was with a clerk at the at the uh the Manchire Manchire at the Manchester Resort. So, but there there's so many other places that are cool to go around here. Um, and yeah, so let's let's get these stories going. It'll be a quick little mini-sode. Maybe it might end up turning out to be a, a super long episode. I'm not sure. But we'll figure it out. So this first story, you know, it's a, it's a creepypasta or something. Something on those lines. I got it on the internet. Uh, and it's called The Braid. All right. I was visiting family for winter break in Los Angeles. This was about five years ago. I was heading to the bathroom on the second floor of my aunt's house when I saw my cousin, April, on the stairs. April was four and very animated. She was busy making funny faces while sitting on the stairs. I asked her what she was doing. She said, I'm copying the lady with the braid. I looked around. There was no one else but us. I asked, where is the lady, April? She pointed to a beam running parallel to the stairwell. I asked April, what is the lady doing? She said, making funny faces. I smiled. 
and started walking up the stairs again when April said something that stopped me in my tracks. Her braids are around her neck. I turned back and asked April to repeat herself. April pointed, the lady is hanging by her braid. She's making funny faces. Then April started making a face, which I then realized was someone gasping for air. So yeah, that's a, that's definitely uh, a creepy little encounter. Um, obviously, someone hung themselves. You know, a previous homeowner or renter uh, hung themselves from that beam, and uh, April, the little girl, could see that person. Story number two: the dresser. When I was younger, I had an imaginary friend who lived in this massive antique dresser. We'd chill out, and I vividly remember telling him telling me stories, although I have absolutely no recollection of what they actually were. I remember one day talking to my parents about it. Dad traveled quite a bit, so he wasn't up to date with what I was into. And when I started telling him about my dresser buddy, he wanted to know his name. It was something innocent like Peter or Patrick, but I can still see him going white in the face. I drew Peter slash Patrick out for him, uh, and the very next day, he and my uncle took that dresser and burned it. It wasn't until a few years later that I found out my dad's little brother, my uncle, uh, also had the same friend with the same name who lived in the same antique dresser. After a few months of the typical imaginary friendship, my uncle started having night terrors and couldn't sleep because of Peter slash Patrick. It got so bad that they had to move him out of his room before he before he managed to go back to normal. So obviously there's a little uh little ghost creature, probably some sort of demonic entity living in that, that dresser. Uh, I'd want to say maybe it's some sort of, of Dippic box, but if they were able to open the dresser and, and the Dippic didn't, you know, the Dippic obviously would have left. So it's not a Dippic box. Um, I don't know. Maybe, maybe it is, maybe it was a demon. Maybe it's the box itself, uh, is possessed and the demon was trying to find, you know, a new, a new home. <laughs> Trying to make a friend to find a new home. Um. All right, so here's the here's the the main attraction for this week's episode, and it is called the Hopewell Haunting. On August eighteenth, nineteen fifty three, Pastor Walter Howell sat down with paranormal investigator Simon Coots to share with him the story of what we now call the Hopewell Haunting. It was September 1934. Autumn was quickly overtaking the last days of summer, turning the quiet green leaves into a fiery explosion of red, yellow, and orange. And the hot, humid air had been replaced by a favorable chill. Pastor Walter Howell presided over a small Baptist church in Hopewell, Kentucky, a small, unincorporated town in Greenup County near the Pennsylvania border. This small town was like most small American towns, quiet, lazy, and laid back. 
However, one problem did plague Hopewell, and that was the nasty rumor of a haunted house tucked back in the woods located on the outskirts of town. It was said that for years, families tried to make a home of the house. However, none of them would last the night. They talked about seeing and hearing things that scared them half to death to the point where they would never want to step foot in the house again. The townsfolk had debated for quite some time on what to do, and they finally landed on sending the pastor into the woods to bless the house. Now, Pastor Howell was a non-believer in the paranormal. He believed in God and the miracles written about in the Bible, but to him, they were as natural as the sky being blue or the grass being green. So Pastor Howell agreed to visit this house and see what all the fuss was about. He was then told the home's haunted history and that it had been sat and that it had sat in the trees for nearly ten years, falling into despair. Several families had purchased the home and tried to make it their own, but none lasted. So Pastor Howell set off for the house with nothing but his Bible to keep him company. He was determined to prove that this home was nothing more than a home, and that the kind of ghosts that spook and holler are nothing more than fragments of wild imagination. Yet little did Pastor Howell know that by sunrise the next day, he would be made a believer. Pastor Howell set off that evening on horseback, telling the townsfolk that he was going to spend the night in the house and with nothing but his Bible to keep him company and in the process proved to them that the house wasn't haunted. But as the old home came into view, Howell's horse stopped dead in its tracks. The pastor urged the horse on, but the beast refused to move any further. So after a moment of reflection, Pastor Howell leapt off his mule and tried and tied it to a large tree that sat by itself in the middle of an overgrown field. He then retrieved his Bible and set out on foot towards the old house. As Howell approached the old decrepit house, reservations filled his mind. He didn't know what he expected to find, but what he saw now was worse than he'd ever imagined. An unnatural chill blew in on the warm afternoon breeze, sending chills down his spine, and for a moment he thought about turning around and going back to town. But he knew he needed to be brave, so he whispered several prayers, asking for the strength to carry on, and entered the house. Immediately, strange sounds from somewhere in the depths of the house filled his ears, and he called out, asking if anyone was there, but he heard nothing in response. Pastor Howell slowly entered the dwelling, listening carefully with every step he took, and with every step he took, his courage became stronger and stronger. He noticed that whoever had lived there last looked to have just up and left in a hurry. Furniture and, furniture and belongings laid here and there, properly covered with an inch of dust. But after exploring a bit and hearing nothing else, Pastor Howell found a chair in the living room and sat down. The house remained quiet for the next several hours. Pastor Howell thought he may have heard footsteps coming from the upstairs or whispers coming from the next room over, but nothing concrete. So by the time midnight rolled around, he was beginning to think this was some sort of joke 
played on him by the townsfolk. But right as he began to think that thought, the house woke up. Bang! A noisy scuffle broke out from somewhere upstairs. Harold tried to track the sound through the ceiling as whatever it was crashed its way across the floor. It was almost as though two people were fighting. He heard screams and yells, furniture being tossed and broken, doors opening and slamming, and then all was quiet. Howell stood where he was, unable to move out of sheer fear. That was when he heard someone or something pacing around the basement. Pastor Howell heard the shuffling footsteps of an unknown person or persons moving back and forth, back and forth. He continued to listen carefully, fearing whatever it was downstairs, but remained quiet. That was when he heard the bottom step of the staircase leading to the basement creak. Creak. Then, very slowly, one after the other, Pastor heard someone walking up the stairs. His heart raced as he watched the cellar door. The thing in the basement continued to move slowly, slowly but surely. Each deliberate step it took was followed by a creaking that seemed to echo through the crumbling house. Step, creak, step, creak, step, creak. Pastor Howell stood across the living room, dumbfounded. He looked on in fright as the footfalls came to a halt at the stairway's top and the handle to the cellar door slowly turned before his eyes and then slowly began to open. Not knowing what to do, Pastor Howell mustered all his strength and called out to an unforeseen force, declaring to know who was there. The mysterious force stopped, but remained hidden behind the darkness that still painted the stairwell. The cellar door then slammed shut, and all was quiet again. Pastor Howell had come to the house with enough courage to face the devil. But after that door opened and closed on its own, Howell was scared enough to run away and never return. However, deep down, he knew God had tasked him with ridding this home of this mysterious evil. So he remained where he stood, watching the door, waiting for something to happen. But all was quiet once again. Knowing he needed to stay, but not knowing what to do, Pastor Howell sat down again facing the cellar door, waiting for it to open once again. Another hour or so passed with nothing but the sound of the wind passing through the broken windows of the empty house. And just when he thought he'd face the worst, his horse, the one he had left tied to the oak tree across the field, began neighing uncontrollably. This obviously grabbed Pastor Howell's attention, and he arose from his seat hurried across the floor to the nearest window and looked out, hoping to spot his horse. That was when he heard the basement door slowly creak open once again, but this time it was different. This time he felt something there, something heavy, something foul, something that desperately clung to life. Howell played it off as his imagination getting the better of him, but as he heard the floor creak just behind him, he knew this was real. Howell turned around and saw the most horrific sight he'd ever seen. It stood mere feet away from him, staring back at him. 
silently and stilly. Pastor Howell couldn't believe his eyes, but he knew this was no joke. The decomposing corpse that stood before him was far too real to deny. Her hair had been stripped from her skull, leaving thin, wispy strands that spilled down her rotting face. The skin around her chest hung from her bones, dripping with the stink of decay. What skin remained around her arms, stomach, and legs, while bone tight, was also ripped and torn, with muscle and sinew showing through the holes. Howell wanted to run for the hills, but two deep black empty sockets looked back into his wide-open eyes, locking him in place. He waited for the desiccated corpse to leap onto him, but nothing happened. He stood there for what felt like hours, waiting for something to happen, anything to happen, but she remained silent and still. What do you want, he yelled. But the young woman remained where she was, looking at the pastor as though she was contemplating killing him or simply letting him go. The rotting entity then stepped towards the pastor. She moved slowly at first. The jerky, distorted motions looked unnatural, but before Howell could react, the entity had crossed the distance. The rotting corpse was now face to face with Pastor Howell. He couldn't run. He couldn't scream. He couldn't move. His question of, what do you want, just lingered in the old room, echoing in his ears as he anticipated the foul thing in front of him doing God only knew what to his earthly body. However, instead of attacking him or attempting to steal his heavenly soul, she began to whisper to him. Her dry, withered throat produced a sound that was both rough and soft. The near-silent sound ripped at the entity's throat as a voice box that hadn't been used in decades began to produce noise. It, it scratched at Howell's ears and seemed to fill the entire room with a sound that eventually turned into words. She proceeded to tell Pastor Howell that her lover had killed her for her money and then buried her in the basement. And while he never found the money, he had also got away with her murder. And now her soul couldn't rest without a proper Christian burial and knowing that he was still out there. Once again, Howell didn't know what to think. He didn't know what to do. The spirit that stood before him told him that if he brought her killer to justice and provided her with a proper Christian burial, she would tell him where her money was and that she would donate it to his church. She then crept backwards into the basement, leaving Howell there standing alone. The spirit of the young woman hadn't attacked him, but she still scared him. And he could either leave now and never return, or he could help free this trapped soul. He chose the latter and slowly stepped towards the basement knowing she would be down there. But he went anyway. With the decomposing body of the young woman looking over his shoulder, Pastor Howell would discover her buried body within the cellar. He would then track down her old lover, and he would admit to murdering the young woman. 
Pastor Howell would then return to the old house after burying the woman's bones, providing her with the proper burial and the execution of her killer. He would hear her voice echo through the home, telling him where the money was. Knowing where she had hidden her fortune, returned to the old oak tree across the field where he had first tied his horse to, and he would retrieve that money, never returning to the old haunted house again. And that's the story of the Hopewell haunting. I just found this story to be to be fascinating, uh, mainly because we have this story um, from a pastor, Pastor Howell, who in 1953, we didn't have the exact date, August 18th, 1953, Pastor Walter Howell sat down with paranormal investigator Simon Coots to share with him the story of what we now call the Hopewell haunting, uh, 1953. So this was a story that happened to Pastor Howell uh, in the fall of 1934. So he waited, he waited 20 years to tell a story. And I don't know, I just feel like because it was so long ago, this was like back in the 50s, you know, obviously there wasn't internet, cell phones, there wasn't, uh, I appreciate, you know, telephones might have been a thing. But they're definitely not the telephones we have today, you know. It's not like people were just going around sharing ghost stories all the time. Uh, I really believe that this is a true story. And it's got the potential to be a very true story. Um, and you can hear the recording. Bits and pieces of the recording from a... I, I, I searched for the full recording. I could not find a full uh, transcripted recording or just a plain old recording of, you know, from this this investigator, Simon Coots. Uh, but you can hear bits and pieces of the recording in a YouTube video made by, you know, some amateur movie makers who made a movie of the Hopewell haunting. Uh, and they, they put bits and pieces of this recording in. And they're, they're from, they were from Kentucky. And I think they had access to uh, I think I read somewhere that they had access to, um, like the, the public radio down there had the recording on file and they had access to that file. I, but I wasn't able to find the recording anywhere else. I wish I was. I, so I, what I did, I wrote this, I wrote the story. What I did was I listened, you know, I watched the video several times. I listened to, and here and there, you know, you hear Pastor Harrell telling his story so you can hear, um, what's going on pretty you know not not full of detail but you get the gist of what what's happening like you know he says that the it was a it was a corpse of a of a young woman who he saw it wasn't like a ghost or anything like that it was it was a literal rotting corpse that had been scaring people out of these house and that that he had uh talked to you know um he had he had mentioned that that his horse wouldn't go anywhere near the house and that and that he could feel the evil as he approached the home, you know, things like that. And then I obviously took liberties and at some places, but but I didn't make anything up, you know. I just filled in the details. Uh, it's a great story. 
It's nothing. I've I I haven't heard that story in any podcast. And man, I'm, I tell you, dude, I listen to a lot of podcasts, guys. I mean, I think I've told you more than once that I'm a postal driver, and all I do is drive around all day. So podcasts are my thing. I've never heard this story told anywhere. Um, I think there was a was a fairly big budget movie. I don't I don't think it was Hollywood. I think it was another indie film, but I had a, a pretty big budget behind it. Uh, that was filmed last year, maybe, of the Hopewell haunting. So when you, if you look up the Hopewell haunting on on YouTube or whatever, you you know that that pops up a lot. But uh, I will I'll post the YouTube video that I used as reference. Um, and I'll post references to the the other shorter stories I I read. Uh, but yeah. I think um, by this time next week, I'll be a, a father of three. My wife is literally due any day now. So, yeah, that that was the Hopewell haunting. Uh, I'm going to try to get this out by, by Friday. So there can be at least an episode this week. Um, and for next week, I... I had a chat with um, Alex Penikov from Small Town Monsters. So that will be next week's episode. It's, it was a good talk. He's definitely very knowledgeable in all sorts of stuff. I think we talked about Champ. We talked about mountain lions in the east and like this this conspiracy around them, as well as as Bigfoot in in New England. You know, where we're, he's from New Hampshire. I'm from Vermont. Twin states. You know. New Hampshire looks like Vermont flipped upside down. Vermont looks like New Hampshire flipped right side up. We're called the Twin Staters. At least that's what I always call us. So I wanted to talk about uh, Bigfoot in New England. It's not something you you normally hear about uh, when you when you when you hear about Bigfoot. You think you know Texas or or maybe Florida with the skunk ape or you know Washington and Patty and and. And all that stuff. You don't you don't you don't think about New England, even though New England is mostly forested land. I mean uh Maine. Maine you could you could fit Vermont, um New Hampshire you could fit Vermont and New Hampshire in Maine like three times, you know, and most of that's woods. I think the majority of people who live in Maine live on the uh the southern, you know, the southern portion of Maine. The rest of it's just hundreds of thousands of acres of 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 forests. But but yeah, so stay tuned for that. That'll be a great little little chat. Uh and that'll drop next week. Hopefully I can get this one out this week. But yeah, please continue to rate and review. You can reach us at almostcanonpod at gmail.com at almostcanonpodcast Facebook page or at almostcanonpod on Instagram. Um, and that definitely sounds almost canon to me.